Good morning. Welcome to Rimrock Church. What a beautiful day, huh? Thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful day. And uh, we're just going to celebrate his love for us today and uh, sing for Jesus. Amen. So let's have fun. Let's do this together. Two, three, four. <laughs>
is a prayer. Come on.
There. Now, morning. Good morning, Rimrock, and uh, what a beautiful fall day. Um, my name is Luke Dye. Our family's attended here. We were talking on the way up almost six years. Unbelievable how fast time goes. Thank you for attending. Um, drive up here was beautiful this morning. The older I get, I love fall, um, other than the shorter days and nights. This morning, our oldest son came up, came up the stairs, and he said, Mama, what are all you people doing up? Why is no one sleeping? <laughs> and she said, because it's Sunday morning, we're getting ready to go to church. And he said, it's the middle of the night. And she said, no, it's 7 o'clock. And he drug her over to the window, pulled back the curtains and said, look, it's pitch black. <laughs> so shorter days and nights, but it's a beautiful time of year. Um, if you're new, there's a connection card in front of this, in the seat back in front of you. Please fill it out. Um, and if you have questions, the welcome booth back there is a great place to stop. Um, today, first step, I believe it's at 1030, right after this service. Um, right, right across from the nursery. It's a great class. Um, my wife and I attended it when we first came here. Um, tells you about the history of Rimrock, who we are, why we're here, and where we're going. Um, this Wednesday night, Trunk or Treat, um, 5.30 is dinner. It runs till 7.30. It's a great event. They put a lot of work into it. Kids absolutely love it, so don't miss out. Still needing candy, I believe. So there's some drop boxes, um, trash cans with Oscar the Grouch on them, upstairs and downstairs. So bring the candy, you can never run out of that. Um, this Saturday, Rockside Ranch, there's a work day. Um, that's a great ministry that is up and running. 
Um, I believe they're painting and laying some floors. So if you have questions, there is information in the bulletin. Contact Kristen Falcon. Um, next Sunday, the 30th, 30 more or less. So this group is kicking back up. Um, we have been members of it, my wife and I and our family, and it's been a real blessing to us, the connection. Um, do not let the name fool you. When we joined, didn't know if we were gonna be qualified, and we went the first week and we said, okay, my wife, she's the 30, I may be the more or less. Um, do you say that it's for 25 to 45, people in that stage of life. I thought maybe we should change the name to 40 more or less, because it's been around a while, but it's really for anybody, if you're not in college, not retired, come join us. Um, it's a potluck, chili feed, information in the booklet to get in touch with, um, it's at Ryan and Morgan Cheddar's house, so contact her. Um, and then lastly, the India team is coming home, I believe this Tuesday. So let's pray for them, safe travels back. So that's it. Thank you, Tom.
are great. We just want to lift your name up, Lord. We pray that your life would flow through us so that others around us would see you, God, and see how great you are. Because I will tell of your wonders, sing of your grace. The God of creation knows me by name. The Lord is faithful yesterday, now, and always, always. Your mercy is mine, age after age, and all generations will bow down in praise the Lord. Take a second, look around, go find someone you've never met and introduce yourself.
God, you are so faithful. And as Bill comes up, God, to share your word with us, Lord, would you anoint his words and open the eyes of our hearts, God, so that we can hear from you. Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. We need to. Holy Spirit, you promised you would do that to us. Do it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome this morning. Good morning. How are you doing, Darcy? Good. Always refreshing, Darcy. You're always refreshing. Well, today we continue in the book of Mark. And uh, as usual, sometimes when uh, we're assigned uh, different topics to speak on, you, you have a first impression of some of the things that you're going to speak on. And uh, so when I was told that I had Mark chapter 13 the entire chapter of Mark 13, which is all of eschatology of the return of Christ, and all of Revelation, all summarized in this, I thought, okay, uh, I have taught this one time for an entire year. I have, for 52 years, I have studied different authors and different writers who have talked about uh, the eschatology or the apocalypse means the taking the cover off. The book Revelation literally means epiphania, manifestation, taking the cover off of something so people can see. I began to say, okay, God, what is it that you're wanting to, to at least reveal? And you can go back, and, and I would encourage you to go back and to look at the book of Daniel, chapter 8 through 10. Look at the book of Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel is where a lot of the Jews got at least their, uh, their idea of what would happen in the last days. You've got Isaiah. You've got Zechariah. You've got Matthew, chapter 25 and 24. You've got 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. Uh, you've got Second Peter chapter 3, and then you've got the whole book of Revelation, and all of them are little bits and pieces of what's going to happen in these last days. And I can tell you this, after 52 years of kind of listening and studying, I have come to the same conclusion uh, uh, that I think I started with, is nobody really knows. 
And even Peter, when he writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, uh, he says, you know, Paul, the apostle, who has been writing about these things, his words are hard to understand. This is Peter. And so there are some familiar little things that weave their way through every one of these portions of Scripture. And I, I believe as we look at those, how come in every one of these, the, the lid that's been taken off are saying some of the same things. And I decided that what we can do is rather than tear down and break down what the seven horns might be, what the horn of the ram in the middle means, and when it breaks off, what happens when he, when he rams into the ones with the two horns and that breaks off, I think we could concentrate on the things that are very obvious. God says the things that I have made very obvious and very clear to you, reveal them to your children and then tell them to your children's children. I believe there are some things here today that, uh, that we can take hold of. I encourage you to see what the Holy Spirit's doing. When I was praying for you today, uh, actually on the way up here, uh, I, I was reminded of what happened at Pentecost. And if you remember at Pentecost when the, the wind came and the fire came and Everybody there was speaking in a different language and a different tongue, but everybody listening was hearing what was spoken in their own language. And I said, God, are you implying that when I talk, nobody can really understand what I'm saying? Uh, but I did realize that what I want to have happen today, and I pray it would happen, is, is that somehow you would hear in your language what God wants you to hear today. That you could walk away with something that would actually be so uplifting and it might be different for each one of you, there, that you would hear in your own language, what is it, God, that you want me to walk away with? There are some common themes that we'll look at. So if you could open your book, uh, your Bible, to chapter 13 of Mark. We're going to kind of walk through this, and we're going to kind of look at what are the central themes that are revealed in all of these different portions of scriptures, and what are the things that can be pertinent to you today as you walk out of here? Chapter 13, verse 1 says, And as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Now, just to give you an idea of why they said this, they're walking out, these stones and, and, and I don't know all, I've looked at different writers and they were somewhat similar, had different measurements. But the stones were 32 feet long, 18 feet wide. They were made out of pure marble. You're cutting to salivate, aren't you, Donovan? <laughs> they had gold trims on them so that when you looked at a distance, there would be gold flashing from the light at certain times of night. And yet the top of the stones would still be white and it looked like snow-covered mountains on these buildings. They were awesome. And people looked at them and I'm sure you've looked at things and I, I think even for me, I, I agree that in the fall, I, I love the colors. I love the fact that the leaves have stayed on way longer than they usually want to stay on and I'll look at them and say, how in the world do you get that many colors? And it'd be kind of like this is saying, Jesus, look at the colors of the leaves. Jesus doesn't respond back to those, uh, how cool the buildings were, but he did play into the minds of the Jewish people and his disciples, because what, what they were familiar with was in Ezekiel, when it talks about that what's going to happen in these last days, 
and what we are going to see in heaven, he describes, he gives him a glance. And four times in the Bible, he gives him a glance of what this kingdom is going to look like. And it is mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. They look and they basically see in the cloud and they see somebody with a throne sitting in this cloud. And over the top of it are the expanse of the most incredible, incredible colors and emeralds and lightnings flashing back and forth and a sea of crystals surrounding them. And in these, all of these creatures, the seraphim, and they're calling, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He knew that's what they were thinking of. So he jumps quickly to where their mind is. He says, Jesus said, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And then he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately, saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of all these things that are going to be fulfilled? And it's interesting, here's one of the points I want you to know that's consistent in every single revelation and every single disclosure. He says, see to it that no one misleads you. There are a lot of people out here that are teaching false teachings. And, and he said, and a lot of people, they're still using the name of Christ, they're still talking about Jesus, but they're teaching falsely. He says, be careful, in these days, there are going to be many led astray. They're going to mislead you. They're going to talk about who I am, and they're going to present to you a picture of who I am that's not who I am. So be careful that nobody misleads you. Many are going to come in my name saying, I'm he, and they're going to mislead many. So when you hear of the wars and the rumors of wars, don't be so frightened. These things have to take place. The end's not yet here. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and earthquakes in various places and famines. And now, now, haven't you heard so many times when people say, man, the earthquakes, and they give you all the statistics of earthquakes today and what kingdoms are happening and nations against nation. And he says, these are just the beginning. Don't pay so much attention to these. You be on your guard. This is the second one. First thing is people are going to want to mislead you, and we're going to kind of give you some warnings of how to be at least prepared to not be misled. Second is be on guard. I love the, the interpretation of that in the Greek language. It says, look to yourselves. And I really like this because as I was going through here, and obviously when I study, I am paying attention to the audience. I'm thinking, what will you hear? And when I was looking and reading this, and I came to this, it said, be on guard. And the word basically said, Bill, look to yourself. What is it that I'm saying to you to look to yourself? Be on guard. Be alert. And, and there were some specific things that came to me. And this is one of the key things I want to leave you with. And we'll talk about it at the very end is all the way through it says, Pay attention, be on guard, be alert, for you don't know when that day is going to come. Now, you have lots of different interpretations. Uh, I have kind of moved from some uh, points where I believed a certain thing, and then I've come to a different thing. And whatever I believe doesn't necessarily mean that it is true in terms of how the events and the timing of the events is going to happen. It's just what I've settled on. I, I love a guy named Tolzer, that a guy that I learned from, and when he was talking about a certain topic, he said, 
you know, I've come to believe this, and if you have a different opinion, keep it to yourself. I'm pretty settled with what I believe. <laughs> and I think in this situation, there are some reasons that I believe at least what I believe. People are saying, wow, we're getting close to it. Things are going to get horrible. The nations are going to be fighting against each other. We're going to have civil war. We're going to have all kinds of horrible things coming. But in three of the places in the scriptures, when it talks about his return, it says it is going to be like the days of Noah. They were rejoicing, partying, having celebration, and things were going along as normal. And he said it's, it's basically going to be something normal. And he says, now pay attention to the signs, and we're going to see that. He said, well, as you see the fig tree, pay attention to the fig tree. It's telling you that, that the leaves are starting to grow and that things are going to happen. Now, I do know something about the signs. I had no idea uh, until I moved out into an area where I think I moved into the one of the most populated deer populations in the world. And my wife got our new house, we put up our flowers, we put up all of our things, and we just sat and said, doesn't it look pretty? And the deer were just waiting for the signs. <laughs> Soon as they would start to blossom, whatever it is we planted, and by the way, it, there is no such thing as deer resistant. I think they got together and said, hey, list the roses down, okay? Because then we go out and we're waiting for it, but two days later we come out, everything is gone. They paid attention to the signs. I think by now you guys are starting to know we have some good weather today, but if you went ahead and, and looked at what's going to happen, today we have a possibility of snow tonight. So if you hear that and you hear the signs, what do you do with your hoses? You basically go and undo the hoses. Uh, I had a wrestle with that the other night. I heard there was going to be frost where I live, and, and I said, okay, I want to pay attention to the signs that it might frost, and I was laying in bed, and, and after my surgery, I was kind of hurting laying in bed, and I was cold. And I said, oh, no. I don't think I unhooked the hoses. Oh, I just don't feel like unhooking the hoses. But what's going to be worse if it busts? So I'm listening to the signs, and I said, okay, God, is this kind of what you're meaning is don't ignore the signs when they're coming. Be ready. So I got up, and I went out, and obviously I had unhooked the hoses earlier. I just, I think the drugs messed, messed me up and stuff. But he says, pay attention to the signs. Be alert. And, and I think it's very important that you understand what does that really mean and what it does not mean. Now, we do have uh, kind of a little bit. Thessalonians probably does the best job in Thessalonians 4. And that is, was Paul pretty much convinced that he would be one of the ones that would be taken up and the return of Christ would come in his day? Now, if you read Thessalonians, he does seem to say that. He says in a personal pronoun, he says that we will be caught up in the air. I'm going to be one of the ones caught up in the air. He was thinking that Christ was coming in his day. But he also says, also in Thessalonians, but if we're one of the ones that have fallen asleep, then you're not going to precede us that have fallen asleep. So he says, either way, whether I'm going to be alive during that time or not, I think you ought to be anticipating that Christ is coming back. There's a song I always uh, came into my mind on the way up here, and I, it says, I can, I can smell it in the air. And I felt like in some ways, in my mind, I can smell a little bit of the fact that I think he's coming. 
And I think he's coming sooner than we think. And I think that every one of you should be anticipating that in your day, he just probably might return. And I think that that's, if he's going to return, then it says be aware, be alert, be ready. Now let me throw something out here that I want to make sure that you understand. I think that we tend to, to do that out of fear. And he even goes on because he does say you don't want to be caught when the thief is, or when the guy's washing the house, you don't know what time the thief's going to break in or not. Be ready, be alert, because you want to know in that day and hour if what you're doing the right things. And after this entire uh, portion of Scripture, if you go back to Matthew 24, Matthew 24 is doing the same thing that Mark 13 is, but Matthew 25 then starts with two examples that I want to build on. One is the ten virgins that are going to meet the bridegroom, and the other is the talents. And I want to at least talk right now briefly about the one talent. And the guy says, I wanted to be ready. I knew you were a, a judgmental God and stuff, so I basically hid my talent. And I think sometimes we get the picture when it says, be alert, be ready. You have no idea when he's going to come home. We think, oh my goodness, what if I'm caught in sin when he comes back? I got to make sure I'm not going to sin, not going to sin. I got to not. And we, we approach it by a gospel that has been put to death. A gospel that God says, I just want you to understand. But did you receive Jesus Christ by grace and by faith? Then why do you think you're going to continue on with works of the law and do this and don't do this and do this and don't do this? And so he says, don't, that's not the way that I've asked you to be ready. Being ready is not sitting there thinking, don't sin, don't be caught in sin. He gives us another picture of what it means to be ready. And I love the picture. And the picture is, the, in terms of the talents, is that God has, if you are somebody that's sitting out here or watching on TV, that, and you have decided that Jesus Christ was a sacrifice for your sins, and you have bowed before him and declared that you in your own efforts have no way of getting to heaven or no way of coming into this relationship with him when he returns. And you've laid down your life and said, God, I receive what you have done for me. You are my God. You are my Lord. This is good news for you, what we're going to talk about. And God came and poured his spirit inside you. And the Spirit of God, it says, he that has the Son has the Spirit. He that has not the Son does not have the Spirit. If you have received Jesus Christ, you have received the Spirit. Therefore, in the talents of the virgins, you have received the oil that fills the lamps. You're filled with the Spirit of God. Be ready simply says, realize and bring to mind that you are filled with the Spirit of God and the talents that I poured out to you are to be a container for you to love those that you're with. And so, therefore, I'm not looking at something I'm not doing, I don't want to be caught doing. I'm looking in a ways of the people with the talents that invested them. Is I'm looking every day to say, God, how do you want to pour your spirit through me today to somebody I'm with, starting with my wife? How do you want to love her today? And pretty soon, that's what you're going to find out it means to be ready. If I'm walking and living the life that God designed me to live, I don't care if he comes back in two minutes or comes back in 10 decades. Because we're going to be ready. 
It's not out of fear that he gave that, as you'll see in the words. It's out of the fact that, be ready. Now, there are some, if you've never made that decision to Jesus Christ, we're going to talk about that too. That, this is a scary day. Because there is a judgment that's going to come. It talks about that you're going to have two men in a field. One's taken up, one's left. Uh, they're going to talk about that, that the women were walking and they're out at the mill. And one was taken and one was left. And, and it does warn you that there are some that are not going to be taken when he returns. And he's going to separate those that are his, chosen, and those that have responded to his call, and those that have not. And so a lot of you today at least be thinking, you know, I've, I've gone to church, I've been going to church. Matter of fact, I've been going to this church for 25 years maybe. And being ready, I just want to challenge you today. Have you bowed your knee before this God and accepted what he has done for you? So that you can look forward to this day and absolutely be excited about the return of Christ. There are many times in my life, and I think in yours as well, if you continue reading through here, the return of Christ, uh, that I just wish he'd come now. I'm not sure I can make it through the night. And sometimes I hear, uh, and especially with the job that I do, and hear of the pains of this world, I just say, God, how do you tolerate it? Why don't you just come back now? Bring us all home. Let us get caught up in the air and those that are asleep and go, they can go before me. I don't care. But let us get caught up together in these clouds. And then you have people that says that, oh God, he's over here. He's over here. I saw Jesus. He's over here. Jesus has returned. I just want to tell you something to be aware of. It says in here, and the stars will fall and, and they will come and they'll say the Son of Man is coming in the clouds with all power and all glory. If and when Jesus comes in your day, you're not going to miss it. It isn't going to be the baby in the manger. He says, as the lightning comes and flashes from one end of the sky to the other, and as the sun rises and comes, everybody's going to see it, and every, everybody is going to know he, he's coming in all power and all glory. To the point it says that many that did not respond to Christ but decided that they would be God of their own life, they are going to go rapidly looking for caves that they can hide in because of the glory and the beauty of God who they rejected. They're going to throw stones over themselves. Some said they'll even go under and have stones attached to them, go under so that they might drown so they won't have to look at the glory of God because when he comes, they're not going to miss it. So when you have all these people prophesying on the web and all kinds of stuff that we're, hey, we're in the day, we're in the day, uh, don't worry about it. Don't believe them. Even back in the scriptures when he was saying the angels have no idea when this date's going to come. It even says, nor the Son, only God the Father. Now I'll throw in my thought here, and you can throw it out as fast as you want. I believe that Jesus did not know at that time when he was telling them when he would return. Why? Because he laid down, Philippians says, that he did not count equality with God, but he emptied himself and laid down all deity and lived here as a man with, a, with basically not drawing upon his power. But I would say in my thinking of what I've seen and what I've heard in Colossians and all the rest of the scriptures, when he died and he rose again and he went and sat at the right hand of God, he took on all of deity back on him. He and the Father are exactly one and the same. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. I believe he knows now when he's returning. 
and he's not going to be late. And when he comes, you're going to know it. Okay. So what does it say after that? Be alert. Be ready. He's coming back. He's coming back. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I want to turn real quickly to another portion of Scripture because I do not think you can look at the eschatology of the return of Christ in the last days without taking in the whole of all of these Scriptures. I'd encourage you to go back and read Daniel and Ezekiel and Zechariah and Matthew. And here we're going to look at 2 Peter. And because he gives us some things that I think are interesting. And he says that the present heavens and the earth, by his word, are being reserved for fire. Now, he does talk about, for the first time that God brought flood, then he promised that he'd never flood the earth again. And he said, but the, the second earth is, is, is going to be reserved, preserved for fire. Kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day, and the Lord's not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. But it is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but all would come to repentance. And that's a key for you. One of the things he says in being ready is come to a place of repentance. Repentance means basically I'm walking this direction and it's walking after my own self, my own gods, my own way that I designed life. And to repent means to turn around in a direction to say that God, you are my God, you alone are God, and basically I'm going to turn my direction. That's repentance. And God desires that all would lead to repentance. And he says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat in the earth and its works and they'll all be burned up or discovered is what that word really means. And since all things are to be discovered or loosed or destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought to be holy conducting yourself in godliness? Look for this, hastening for the coming of the day of the Lord. Now again, I believe that when God comes back and this day comes, I believe that there will be intense fire, intense heat, and I believe that the elements of this world are going to be loosened. And that word means that they're going to be made new according to what they were designed to be made. I don't know if that's going to be with a nuclear bomb. I don't know if God's just going to go ahead and breathe forth and do it. I don't have any idea, and I don't think he gives us that. And I basically know that what he's told me is, be ready, be on the alert, for the day is coming, and it's not going to be too delayed. Then he goes on in the rest of this, and, and, and he says, but according to the promises, we're looking for this new heaven and this new earth in which righteousness is going to dwell forever. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And that word there means basically that you have been made a new creation and you're spotless and blameless. Live in that new creation. Live in reflecting who God called you to be. And you don't have to worry about whether it's going to be later or earlier. That's what it means to be ready. When you really love somebody, and I think sometimes when we come to faith, uh, we... We obey because we think that's what we're supposed to do, and we do it kind of out of a 
uh, okay, I've got to be obedient. I think when you see and understand the beauty of God, no longer does obedience and obligation get mixed up. I believe you do it out of love. I don't, when my wife takes off and goes somewhere, I don't say, okay, I've got to be careful not to let prostitutes come over and get caught when she comes home. I don't want to be caught because I don't know when she'll show up. So maybe I won't have prostitutes because she could show up any time. And that's how I think some of us walk with God. We take our adulteress and we say, well, I better not because he could catch me. I absolutely believe that's the opposite. My wife leads, I am doing things around the house to hope that her house is awesome when she comes home. Out of my love for her, I, whether she comes early or comes late, I know Tom Haggerty today because Terry's been gone for a week, and uh, I couldn't really get a hold of him because he was doing honeydew lists all day. And you know what? He, she didn't know he was. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's the wife. <laughs> Came home and all these things were done. He wasn't worried about, boy, I better not be having some girls up. She could come home at the wrong time. Are you getting the picture? Out of your love and out of the righteousness and the blamelessness of God who put his life within you, live out of that person. Start loving out of that person. If I'm caught... In, in a situation where I'm simply living on who God called me to be and I'm reflecting that, then I'm ready, I'm alert. I encourage you, if, if any of you did not hear last week's message, go back and re-listen to it. Nick did a message that basically took away a whole bunch of stuff that I don't have to say. And he's talking about what it means to live this kind of life and this kind of life of Christ loving through you and that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your being and love others as you love yourself. That's what it means to be ready. That's what it means to be alert. That's what it means to basically know that I'm ready when he comes back. So wherever he comes, I'm ready either way. Remember the ten virgins that basically had their, their ten lamps. Five of them filled them with oil and five didn't. And so when Jesus, or when the, the, the bride comes, I mean the bridegroom comes, they're ready. And the ones that didn't have the lamps, they were knocking at the door and said, give us some of your lamps, give us some of your lamps. This is the illustration that he gives right after this chapter. Is that, are you filled with oil? First thing is, are you filled with oil? You can't be ready if you're not filled with oil. And the oil was the Holy Spirit, which is the, the, the presence of God. Are you filled with the life of Christ? Have you surrendered your life and, and basically said, I receive what you have done, and be, I am filled with the lamp? Others are filled with religion. They're doing a lot of things and, and doing things out here, and they think they're filled with oil. And so when basically when it returns, they're saying, okay, I'm not ready, I wasn't ready, and they didn't, we couldn't do anything to bring them with us. So the first thing is, are you filled with the oil? And then it says, are you living out of that oil? He goes into the next illustration right after this one of the talents, and that's what we talked about, is the talents are if you're filled with the oil of God, then let that life of God, that Holy Spirit, flow through you. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart and love people as you are designed to love people. That is what the point of all of these scriptures of God's return are about. 
So here we got, be ready. Don't be fooled by false teachers. Don't let anybody mislead you. Look at the signs. Pay attention to the signs. He's coming back. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And again, be alert, be ready, be aware. There's one more scripture that I want to touch on. I told Nancy I was going to touch on this. She goes, I hated that scripture most of my life. And it's in, in 1 John, and it says, be careful that you don't shrink away when he comes back. Now let me tell you what I believe that is saying. That means that there are going to be three different people that are when he comes back, and you're going to be in one of these three camps. Either you're going to be over here filled with the oil, filled with the Spirit of God and a living life as you were intended out of the holiness that God put within you and you're going to be loving people and therefore when he comes back it is going to be a rejoicing day for you. You're going to be excited as you can be. That's one group. You got another group over here and that's the person that no, does not have the lamp of the Holy Spirit in them. They've lived life out of their own merit and their own works and their own religion. They do not have Christ in them and that's going to be a dreadful day for those people. If you're in that, I would say bow your knee today. Bow your, bow your knee in this hour and, and invite Christ in your life. You can't make it on your own. Then there's a third group. and These are the people that are filled with the oil. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. But they're living... A, a life according to their old flesh. And when he comes, you're going to be in the midst of living a life out of your own efforts or your own sin or whatever it is, and it says be careful that you don't shrink away. Now my take on that, as I compare it to all the rest of scriptures, I believe that has something to do with who you are, not who God is. God says, I will remember your deeds no longer. Your sin and your iniquities I'll remove from you as far as the east is from the west, and I'll never bring them up again before you. So it's not that he's going to come and he's going to go ahead and say, ah, look at what's happening here. And he's going to say, look, at I saw you, what you were doing when I returned. That basically I do not believe is consistent with Scripture. The shrinking away is going to be your own shame. And I'll tell you what that kind of looks like. Nancy and I have a dog, and uh, we always have had a dog. We always will probably have a dog. And if anybody ever died and they wanted to come back as a dog, they'd probably come back as one of our dogs. And all of my kids have warned me, and now my grandkids are warning me, why do you give them people food? And I said, well, have you noticed they do what I say? But the other day, we gave people food too much to Fitz. And of course, then in the night, you hear that horrible, horrible sound when you're (laughs) And it's like, and so he throws up. And I'm going, Fitz, Fitz! And I'm wanting to get to him before he throws up so I can get him outside. I was too late. And guess what he did? He shrunk away. Put his tail between his legs and he went and he hid. I wasn't upset at him. I'm the one that gave him the food. But he basically looked in shame and he shrunk away. 
I believe if you don't know who you are in Christ and you're in the midst of sin in your life and you're trying to live a life of trying to avoid sinning, avoid sinning, avoid sinning, you're going to shrink away when, that, when Christ returns. And you're going to have, he's not going, he's going to say to you, Devin, stop it. I took care of that. I paid that debt in full. And when I hung on the cross and I said, it is finished. Never will I hold everything against you again. That's what that's going to mean. That's the person shrinking away. I would say to you then the, the word to encourage you in that is this. Be filled with the oil. Be filled with the lamp. Be ready. Tom's going to come up and do a song. And uh, it's a song one day we were talking, oh gosh, how many years ago? It was 15 years ago. And uh, we were talking about his second coming when Christ came and, uh, and what it's going to be like. And I said, that's going to be the real Christmas, the second Christmas, when he comes back. And Tom wrote a song, and I love the words of the song. Hopefully that the Spirit spoke to you today in some way that you understood about him wanting you to be in some camp and what to do with it. I pray that you would apply whatever it is he's spoken to you about. He will streak across this earth Just like lightning in the sky He will gather up his lamps And wipe the tears out of our eyes He will punish all that's wrong With his power set things right And all the prisoners will be free Amen On that second Christmas night a train around the bend. Can you hear that distant thunder? Jesus coming back again. The first time was so humble. Just a handful saw the truth. But on that second Christmas, I will see him. So will you. And he will streak across this earth. Just like lightning in the sky. the tears out of our eyes. He will punish all that's wrong with his power set things right. All the prisoners will be free on that second Christmas night. Tears out of our eyes He will punish all that's wrong 
we thank you that you are coming back and that you're just going to love us up and we're going to enter eternity with you forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Come Wednesday night to Trunk or Treat. Amen. <laughs>